Hello, and welcome to episode 367 of the Pen Attic Podcast. I am your host, Brad Dowdy. Once again, writing solo. Well, solo at least from my normal podcasting partner. He's off doing who knows what, or maybe I'm off doing who knows what when this show will drop. But I brought on a very cool, very special first-time guest, someone that I've talked to a million times about having on. And y'all know how I am. I'm a little bit slow getting things scheduled. But today I have Mr. David Parker from Fig Boot on Pins on YouTube. How's it going, David? Good, Brad. How are things down in Georgia today? It is very warm. Um, you're not that far away from me, so assumedly warm where you're at as well. Uh, yes, it's been in the mid to high 90s, so it's been rather toasty. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. And, you know, I'm making it worse by, um, you know, just working outside and doing things out there that I need to do around the house and just getting in trouble and regretting every decision I make to walk outside the house. So. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is mad at you. Yes, 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 it is. But um, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to come on the show. I know we've talked about it a long time, and I'm glad I finally got off my rear end and got you scheduled. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so what I want to do today is introduce you to all of our listeners and make sure that they know who you are and what you do and why you do what you do. And um, to kick things off... I want to know, how did you get started just in pens and stationery in general, and then maybe on into fountain pens? You know, how did this whole thing start for you of, you know, wanting something cool to write with? You know, I, I think it started at work maybe around nine, 10 years ago. I, I had a coworker who one day kind of uh, just showed me his Lamy All-Star uh, and he said, check this out. I think you might like it. Uh, he really wasn't into pens, but he had an all-star, and I thought it was kind of cool. And I'm a bit of a quirky guy who likes to be a bit different. So I, I went online to uh, the site he told me about, which was Jet Pens, and I ordered myself an all-star and some cartridges. And so for a long time, that's all I knew. I knew Jet Pens, and that's where I went to go get my cartridges that I needed. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I liked it, but I, I really wasn't hooked. But uh, about a year later, I was on a trip to, uh, to Paris, and uh, we came across a, uh, some safaris in a stationery store in the mall under the Louvre, mm. and I picked up a safari. And then not long after that, I participated in a, a Reddit pen gift exchange, and someone gave me one of those Parker Urban sets that comes mm. with a pen and a bottle of uh, black quink. And yeah. that, uh, so I had those three pens for a number of years, and I, I was happy. Uh, and then one day I, I kind of thought to myself, you know, like what other types of pens are out there? And, and that is a very dangerous question in hindsight. Uh, but I was clueless, though. I, I really had no idea what was going on. So I, I kind of began to search out the Internet for any type of top 10 list that I could find or, or in your case, top five lists <laughs> uh, and that uh, I would. You know, I, I was like a lot of folks out there that just uh, was confused about all the choices and I didn't know what my tastes were and spending $50 on a pen was borderline insane in my mind. Uh, and so I didn't want to make a mistake. And I, I figured that, uh, you know, if uh, you know a pen kept showing up on those lists, then the chance of it actually being good was pretty good. So I, I did tons of research and watched a bunch of video reviews and ended up picking up a, a Twisby Diamond 580 and, and thought that was just about the, the coolest thing ever. And, and then from that moment on, I was hooked. So people that are familiar with your work will know 
where you have ended up since, but we got a, we got a ways to go to get there. But I, I got to rewind it right back to the beginning before your friend handed you the all-star. Did you care about what you wrote with at work? Like, did it matter? Like, would you just grab whatever was available at the office or at home and just not really give any consideration to any pen or paper that you were using? I wouldn't as much. I kind of liked some of the, like the G2s, the pilot G2s and things like that. And, uh, but then it was like only if we had them in the supply closet or else I was grabbing mm-hmm. whatever else. And I, I didn't care as much about paper. It was just any old notebook. Uh, and I, I didn't care much about it. But then it's one of those things to where at first, uh, you know, I was into pens and started getting more into pens and kind of told myself, you know what, I'm really not into ink. I really don't see what's up with ink. And then all of a sudden I get into ink and then I fall into that. And then after a while, I'm like, you know what, I'm really not that into paper. I don't need to get into paper. Uh, then eventually I got into paper. And, you know, you kind of it, it's it's kind of a slippery slope that you end up going down. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So now you, you mentioned your job and I, I got to ask, I'm not going to ask you, you know, what you do. We don't need to know that, but I need to know, do you take these pens and paper to work? And, you know, have you ever had any issues or have you had people say, Hey, what is that pen you're using? Or have you had a pen like vanish from your desk or anything like that? I, no, I haven't had any issues like that. Like when I was with in kind of my acquisition phase, you know, that phase where you're just buying things left and right and really excited about anything new. Uh, there was a few people in the office I'd share my new things with uh, probably too many people. I think they tolerated <laughs> me barely. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I've since paired that back a lot. I, I have a couple folks I'll share with, but uh, you know, I do have two converts in the office. They're not really into pens; they're just using them. One uses a Safari, and the other uses a Twisby Diamond 580. Um, that, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to, I don't anticipate they're going to dive head into the hobby, but uh, they at least have their own pens they enjoy using on a daily basis. Uh, I did have uh, an incident though once where. Uh, we we had a candidate who was interviewing for a position with our company, and there were two of my coworkers who were doing the interview, and the candidate just happened to mention that he was into fountain pens. Now, I'm not quite sure how or why he mentioned this in the interview, but he did. And my my coworkers literally stopped the interview <laughs> and and giddily ran down the hall to my office and grabbed me out of my office to bring me down to meet the dude. Uh, it was like they were giggling, like they couldn't believe there was two of us out there. <laughs> and, you know, and then it was like they were at the zoo watching two exotic wild animals, seeing how they'd react to each other when you, you know, put them both in the same cage. Oh, and, that is that is a perfect description. And and I just asked the candidate, I, I just said, oh, you into pens? I said, oh, well, what pen did you bring with him, bring with you today? And he said he didn't bring one, which I thought was kind of odd, because if you're going to profess to be such a fan of fountain pens that you actually bring it up in an interview, but you don't have one on you, that just kind of made me doubt his uh, commitment to the hobby a bit. Uh, but uh, my, my co-workers actually ended up hiring him. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't around for that long, but uh, he did uh, stay with the company for a little bit. But yes, they they had to come grab me because they uh, were just excited. <laughs> There's another I one. I can just picture there. Yeah, there's another one. Hey, everybody, come watch. Yeah, come watch. <laughs> come watch these two talk. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So you you've really ramped it up like in the past like five or six years or so. Did you have that type of personality where if like there's something that you love and you discover something new, do you just kind of go off the deep end like researching, collecting, figuring things out? Has this ever happened to you for anything else in your in your life? 
you know, I think in the past, like I'll, you know, I'll get into certain TV shows or, or mm-hmm. something like that to where, um, you know, in the birth of the internet, you kind of have online communities and, you know, I'll go back to something like the, like the TV show lost. I don't know if you mm-hmm. watched that. And that was one of the first shows that had a huge online community and you'd watch the show and then people would go online and theory craft for an entire week. And it was kind of back in the day when you had to wait a week for the next show to come out and things like that. And so I would get into those types of things, but I didn't necessarily have large, large collections or something like that as far as objects. But I, you know, I would kind of get into those types of things. You know, I, I don't necessarily have like an addictive personality, but I can kind of become, uh, uh, you know, obsessed with things at points in time. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about your YouTube obsession because that's where pretty much all of your content lives. And we're going to talk about why and the the hows. And I have a lot of questions about making videos because that's not something I do very often, nor do I think I'm very good at. Um, But before we do that, let me take a quick minute to talk about our first sponsor today. And that's our good friends at Squarespace. This episode of The Pen Addict is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog like The Pen Addict. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I'm a Squarespace customer. I use it for Pen Addict. I use it for Knock. I have the blog. I have shops tied in there. It's real easy. And their plans start at just $12 a month. And you can start a free trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash penaddict. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code penaddict to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the Pen Addict. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash penaddict and the code penaddict to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So why did you choose YouTube as your outlet to share your love of fountain pens? Well, kind of toward the end of, of 2015, I, I started to get the itch to create something. I, you know, it's fun to be a consumer, but I also kind of had an itch to be a, a creator and I wasn't quite for, uh, sure what form that would take. Uh, you know, I, I was really into fountain pens and I thought it might relate to that. Um, you know, whenever I would receive a new pen, I, I I would do like little mini reviews of my thoughts about each pen in these uh, A5 Tomoe River notebooks that I had. Uh, and uh, I was thinking about maybe starting a podcast or maybe writing a blog. And I, I finally landed on creating a, a YouTube channel. Um, I, I have a background in video production. I like to think I can write well enough. I, I'm a fairly decent public speaker. So I thought it was something that I could uh, potentially do. You know, you see other videos and sometimes you look at things and you go, uh, I, there's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> and other times you look at something and you're like, you know what? Hey, maybe I could do that. And I, I thought that I at least have enough of a base skill set where I could do that. 
Um, I've told this story before, uh, but in my in notebooks, I actually wrote out like all the pros and cons about starting a channel. Nice. And, and I actually uh, decided against it. I, I kind of <laughs> doubted myself. And I, I wasn't sure that I could have a voice. I mean, why would anyone want to listen to my opinion? And literally like a day or two later, I came across one of Stephen Brown's videos that's uh, entitled, Why Aren't You Doing Reviews? And uh, it was he was very encouraging. And it was kind of one of those things where it was the right message at the right time. And so right after that, I, I decided to go for it. That's awesome. And we, we talk about that a lot, too. It's just I, I really, you know, have people's backs when they, they want to, you know, start a blog or start you know, any kind of website or start, you know, a YouTube channel or even just get on Instagram and share their stuff. Like I get those emails all the time. I know you do too. And we're going to talk about like a specific video you have about, you know, getting started and things like that. But I got to know maybe the most important question of this entire interview. What does the name fig boot mean? Okay. Um, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's it's tough to name something. Uh, I mean, how much do you struggle sometimes with the name of one of your new knock products? Oh, it's Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely so, a challenge. So I wanted the name of my channel to be uh, unique and easy to remember. Uh, and I, I didn't want it to be like some generic name, like mm -hmm. Pen Addict or something like that. Right, you know? <laughs> super generic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I landed on Fig Boot on Pens. And mm -hmm. uh, the intent was actually is that I, if I ever decided to branch out to different topics, that I could have like Fig Boot on games, Fig Boot on mm -hmm. movies, and kind of the template was there. Uh, the name Figboot is actually something I've used for an online moniker for quite some time. Uh, I used to work in the video game industry, and I, I like playing a lot of video games, console and PC, and uh, it's what I've used for a, a username for quite some time. Uh, it's different. Uh, it's usually a name that's not taken. Uh, the only other fig boot out there is a little purple dinosaur that was in the strawberry shortcake cartoons. <laughs> Uh, and so the origin story is uh, a little lengthy, but it's actually a reference to a book. Uh, there is a, a series of books by an author illustrator by the name of uh, Graham Romeo. Uh, he's based in Canada and he has a number of uh, humor books. And there are three that I really enjoy. It's his uh, Bigfoot trilogy. Uh, there is uh, In Me Own Words, uh, Me Write Book, and uh, <laughs> I'm Not Dead. And, you know, with any type of humor, uh, the, you know, these books aren't for everyone, but they make me laugh out loud. Uh, and uh, for a book to do that, for you to laugh out loud reading a book, it, it makes it, it's funny for me. Like, for example, there was one page talking about how Bigfoot auditioned for Sesame Street. Uh, there oh was gosh. another page about how he went over to Japan to become a sumo wrestler, stuff like that. It's very dark, crass humor. Uh, and there was one page that actually showed his online dating profile. Uh, and his username was Figboot. Uh, actually, it was Figboot underscore 2001. But uh, that's where the name came from. So it was uh, it was uh, Bigfoot's online dating profile name. Okay, that's amazing. Like, I, I didn't know this. I haven't, I don't know if you've gone through this in, in one of your videos. I, of course, uh, will readily admit I have not watched all of the entire catalog of the Figboot on Pins video collection. But that's amazing. And I, I'm sitting here dying laughing when you started talking about this because you and I, you know, not to give away all of our secrets, we're, we're ballpark around the same age. So you come in, coming to age in the earlier days of the internet, coming up with like your screen name was 
kind of a not maybe a big deal, but it was like something that stuck around and you end up using it for other things, just like you're using you started using fig boot for one thing. And it's just kind of something that stuck with you, like my dowdyism moniker, which kind of drives me insane a little bit, which I'm stuck with that Twitter handle now. <laughs> um, that's how that came about. That was like my message board handle, like back in the nineties. Right. So like these things just kind of, you know, go through our veins and then sometimes they get stuck, but fig boots, like a really strong, good name for a channel. Do people just come up and when they see you at pin shows, they go, Hey, fig boot. Yeah. I'll, I'll answer to it. You know, it's not that, uh, that that's fine. It doesn't bother me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm used to, you know, I used to play a lot of like world of Warcraft and that was sure. my, my main tank was fig boot. And so everyone yep. would just call you that. And, uh, Oh, and then I wanted to say that I actually reached out to Graham Romeo, the author, uh, because I thought it would be really cool to have an original piece of art from him. This was way before I started the channel. Uh, and so I, I actually commissioned a, a piece of art from him and, and I really love it. I'll, I'll give you a link that you could post. It's, it's basically Bigfoot just poking a beehive with a stick. <laughs> but it, it's one of those things that it's a one of a kind. It's an original watercolor painting that he made and it's hanging above my office at work. And it's one of those things that means nothing to anyone else, but it means everything to me. It is like one of my most prized possessions I own. I, I just love that thing. Yeah. Those are, those are the best things, best things to have that are super personal to you. So let's, let's dig in a little bit to the video creation process. Can you give me an idea? Let's say, let's say you get a new product in tomorrow or you got one in a couple of weeks ago and you think you're going to shoot a video review for YouTube. What does that process look like for you in the kind of the big picture wise? Well, in a typical week, I'm producing one review which mm -hmm. will post over the weekend, usually Saturday or evening or Sunday morning. Uh, you know, I, I try to, well, I, I have a bit of a queue, so mm -hmm. I kind of schedule things out. Uh, I like to, I like to take like Monday and Tuesday off uh, because, you know, this is a hobby. It's, it's not how I earn a living. So I need to have some like time to not be working on the channel and in order to not get burnt out over the long run. Um, usually on, on Wednesday, I'll start to outline a review, kind of bullet point things that I want to hit. I'll take all the pictures that I need to take and uh, create the intro and the measurements uh, pieces of the review. I create those in Adobe After Effects and I use Premiere Pro for editing. And then usually Thursday, I write about 60 to 70% of a review and then finish it off on Friday. And then I'll either record Friday night or sometimes Saturday morning, you know, and you know, for a, a 12 minute review, like setting up the equipment, recording, tearing down the equipment, you know, back down, you know, will take, you know, around an hour, hour and 15 minutes, depending whether or not my mouth wants to work that day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then it takes a couple of hours in editing and post-production. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big film buff uh, mm -hmm. and Al Alfred Hitchcock used to say that it's, you know, that the actual act of shooting a film was his least favorite part of the process. Uh, that he did so much planning and pre-production that after the script and all the storyboards were complete, kind of in his mind, the movie was done. It was completed and that all he had to do was just get it onto film. And I kind of understand how he feels because there's times when you're actually, uh, you know, shooting the review uh, that can that can be a bit of a, a chore and the post-production can be a bit of a chore. You know, I can get sick of listening to my own voice and looking at my own face during post-production. But but overall, I, I enjoy the process. 
do you write out an entire script? So you, like your videos are, I guess, between what, 12, 15 minute yeah. range. Do you write an entire script for what you want to say? Or do you just kind of like bullet point it, if you will? Uh, you know what? I actually write everything out. Um, mm-hmm. If I just winged it off the top of my head, inevitably I would forget something or misstate a fact or uh, because, yeah, if I misstated a fact, no one on the Internet is going to let you know. That. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. <laughs> they just let it slide um, or, uh, you know, miss an important point. Um, you know, I, I like to include lots of facts and uh, and history and and things that maybe aren't even associated with that pen, but uh, that add to the entertainment value and, and to hopefully make the videos interesting. Um, in the you know, and I basically mainly write everything out so that I ensure that I say exactly what I want to say. Uh, in my early videos, I would actually tape the notes below the camera, uh, <laughs> and and so it could be tough to disguise taking a peek at your notes. You can kind sure. of see it a little bit more and it can actually be a little bit distracting for viewers. So uh, now I actually use a teleprompter. Uh, I can load up my script into a program on an iPad and then the, uh, you know, I look directly at the camera, which actually shoots directly through the teleprompter and, uh, you know, it's voice activated. So as I talk, the text scrolls up on its own and it, it's pretty cool. Okay. I wasn't expecting that answer, but that is pretty cool. So like I figured I, you you know, you're looking or reading something, you know, whether it's notes or, you know, just, you know, kind of the script laid out in front of you, but that would be brutal. The teleprompter is like super smart. When did you, uh, when did you start doing that in this process? <sighs> Boy, I, it's been a couple of years, Okay, but, but it's one of those things where I, okay, I'm always looking to improve and get better and, and improve the quality of things. And one of the things I didn't like was I didn't like the fact that just there was no good place for me to put my notes. I wasn't yeah. going to memorize a 12-minute long review. Other <laughs> reviewers do a, an excellent job of at least seemingly like winging the review. I, that's just not me. Uh, I've kind of decided to go a different way. And I, I But if they, if they can do that, then that's fantastic. Good on them. But I, I, I need to write it all down to make sure I hit all my points. And uh, that I wanted to figure out a way to do that without being distracting for the viewers. And, you know, when you're sitting there staring at your face while you're editing all these things, you notice all these little things that, uh, that, that annoy me. So I know if they annoy me, they annoy other people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I know if Mike were here, we would definitely have a comment on your preparedness and we would probably kick you off the show right now because we don't prepare that much for this. We wing it a lot and therefore we do get in trouble sometimes. So uh, good job by you staying out of trouble as, as much as you can. So like um, the entire process, so one video, 15 minutes, for example, what amount of time does that take you in totality to just put that together? That's not necessarily spending time with the pen beforehand. So you know, yeah. you know what the pen's like and things like that. I'd say, you know, right around like five to seven hours. Uh, it okay. can depend on the review, but from beginning sure. to end, writing, recording, like when I write my reviews, I actually write them by hand because, you know, it's a good excuse to use the pen um, mm-hmm. rather than me just typing the review. I mean, it's it's a good opportunity to use the pen and then I can maybe find revelations and things that I care and don't care about it as I'm using the pen to physically write the review. Um, and that, you know, some reviews are quicker, but, you know, I, I try to include a lot of other information in my reviews as well. Like, for example, um, in the mail today, I just received a uh, a Montegrappa Apollo 11, uh, the open edition, not the limited edition, that someone lent me one of those, and that I need to do some research into the Apollo 11 mission in order to come up with some relevant you know, facts that I hope would be interesting and information 
to help folks understand the importance behind the pen, especially when a lot of folks maybe, you know, it was 50 years ago. And so a lot of people weren't alive and they might not have necessarily understood the impact of what that really meant to uh, uh, to the United States and the world to have someone uh, land on the moon. Uh, yeah, and I think that's one of the great things about your content, and we'll talk about some specific videos before, is you go above and beyond like the review specs. You know, you really do a great job of explaining either the story, if it's a pen like the Apollo 11, or the construction process, if it's, you know, an Arushi pen. You know, you definitely go into detail. I've noticed that in the videos that I've watched, like how good of a job you do with that. In, I'm thinking about that five to seven hours time frame. Number one, that sounds short to me. Uh, <laughs> and like getting one of those a week is an impressive task because, you know, you have a job, you have a family, um, you have other hobbies, assumedly. That's a lot. Like what that's a that's a great commitment to uh, to putting out these videos and just as a community member who enjoys this content. Thank you for doing that. That's uh, that's a lot of work. It's no joke. Yeah. And I mean, it's like a little part-time job, yeah. Uh, you know, but when I, whenever I'm doing the reviews, I almost, I, I kind of think what information would I be curious about? Uh, usually it's like, uh, you know, okay, I, I'm fascinated by where the company names come from. You know, why is mm. this company named this? Or why is this pen named this? Things like that. I, I find fascinating. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of times you don't, find information like that, but it, yep. it, things like that are interesting. Whenever I do an ink review, um, I, you know, I wanted to do something a little different. And so whenever I do an ink review, I actually tie it into a movie, uh, so that then I can, it actually gives me some material that I use, uh, in the, for the writing sample, I'll like write about the film and kind of do a little mini I would say a film review, but just discuss a film. So like, for example, coming up here soon, uh, I'm going to be posting an ink review on the uh, Blackstone Wild Orange. It's like a scented orange ink. Mm -hmm. And Blackstone is an Australian company. So I'll be talking about one of my Australian films uh, that I enjoy, uh, you know, and that I enjoy talking about, about my film. And kind of my goal is to add a little something entertaining that isn't necessarily fountain pen or stationary related. So, okay, Brad, what's your favorite Australian film? Go. Uh, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Um, that was very high on my list. <laughs> that is a very easy answer for me. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. If I was going to be doing this uh, review uh, during Pride Month, I think uh -huh. I would have done that. But since it's going to be in July, um, I, uh, I that was my number two choice. Um, right. I, I thought about like Walkabout, uh, even mm -hmm. Mad Max. But there is a, a, a film that came out in 1991 that I really enjoyed that's called Flirting. Okay, I don't know that one. Uh, it has a great cast, a number of actors in their teens that have really gone on to do some great things. Like it was uh, Nicole Kidman, Noah uh, Taylor, uh, a number of other folks, and uh, a very good cast uh, and kind of about a girls and boys school that are next to each other and uh, uh, a white boy and a girl from Africa who kind of fall in love. And so it's kind of about... Uh, teen love, but then also uh, a lot of race relations and things like that. And it, it's just a very good film that I enjoy. I love it. I love it. So I'll have to be sure and watch that. Like when the video comes out, I'm sure I'll I'll, I'll watch it and, you know, just be uh, anxious to go watch the movie. So yeah, that's that's perfect. Okay. Australian bands. I know you're more into music. What's your favorite <laughs> Australian band? <laughs> the go-betweens. Uh, ACDC, hands down. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Either that or the Wiggles. 
Yeah. <laughs> the wiggles. Yeah. I oof, I couldn't go there with the wiggles. We we escaped that pretty well. We can talk about that some other time. But uh, uh, all, I all I will say is that the wiggles are not that bad. And they put on a I've been to like a couple of their concerts. They put on actually a pretty good concert. So I'll I'm just say you. that. That is definitely one of those that was in the realm of, okay, this is an option, right? Sometimes yeah. you just have to take one for the team. That was yeah. always an option. It uh, wasn't like a absolute no. Uh, it would be a thing like half the show, they're playing to the parents and they would make jokes <laughs> to the parents. And it was actually not that bad. It wasn't as painful <laughs> as it could have been. So, okay. Speaking of painful, I got to talk about one of the pain points that a lot of people automatically assume from YouTube, and that is the comment section. Do you have any issues or do you, how do you handle your comment section on your YouTube channel? Because that seems to come up from time to time, just about the, the overarching, maybe unfairly general YouTube comment section being, you know, kind of, kind of rough. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that for the most part, the comments I receive on my videos are very positive. Mm -hmm. um, it, for the most part, it's a it's a positive community. Um, you know, there are, however, times when you can get some uncalled for comments. Now, you have every right to have an opinion that's different than mine. Mm -hmm. uh, I will never, you know, po you know, basically ban someone or or delete their comment for just having a different opinion. Mm -hmm. But it's all in how you express that opinion. Um, if it's a string of four letter words, then that's not acceptable. Right. Um, you know, for me, I sometimes I find it hard to understand how some people's minds work because <laughs> I, I read through all the comment. I read through every single comment on my channel. Okay. Um, and I reply to many of them and that I, because I, I feel it's, it's another way to interact with people uh, and that there are some viewers that I recognize that leave like negative comments each and every video and not necessarily negative towards me, but just negative in general uh, and negative in life. And I, I'm not sure how folks can kind of go through life like that with just everything coming out of their mouths being critical and negative. Um, I mean, if someone's being a jerk, then I can deal with that. And those mm -hmm. don't bug me as much. The ones that bug me are the ones where someone is being critical of me personally and their criticism has a nugget of truth to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I feel it's totally wrong, it's easy to dismiss. But, you know, if they say that, hey, you should have done this or should have done that and uh, and I agree with them, then those are the ones that leave you kind of saying, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. And, you know, I was, I was going to ask you, you know, do you read all the comments and, and look at all that stuff? And I guess you, I don't guess you have to, but it's kind of good. Like you're fostering a community over there and the way a comment section is handled by the owner of the channel kind of sets the tone for how you should act within there. And I, I definitely believe that it kind of becomes self-policing, right? When people are interacting over several videos over several years, um, you know, they understand like, Hey, you know, this is what's expected in here and this is the tone in here. And it just kind of plays off itself. Yeah. And then uh, you know, if someone asks a question in the comments of me, then just like if someone sent me an email, then, you know, am I going to answer every question? I can't get to every question, but mm. I, you know, I, I try to at least, uh, you know, answer a fair amount of them. And that if I was, uh, you know, uh, a fan of a video channel and, and the, the creator would respond to my questions, then that's going to make me want to uh, have a closer tie to that channel and want to watch more videos. Tell our Panatic listeners that are wanting to be a content creator, either, uh, you know, written word or in your realm, 
uh, making videos on YouTube, do you have any, like a tip or two, you know, you don't have to go into like all the things and you actually have a pretty good video on creating content that we'll link into the show notes here. But do you have any kind of like quick tips? Like if you would do something different, like if you were starting today, you know, I, like I, like you said, you know, I actually created a video on this topic. I, I mentioned earlier about Stephen Brown's video, which is kind of about why aren't you doing reviews? Uh, that's a, a good video as well. But I decided to, like you said, make my own for folks that have kind of decided to create content and are asking themselves, okay, now what? Um, and that, you know, I get people reaching out to me, asking questions to get advice. And, and just like I reached out to folks when I was getting started and, and I try to do my best to be very encouraging and impart some words of wisdom. Uh, something I tell folks a lot is that realize that when you first start out, absolutely no one is going to care and no one is watching you. And that's a good thing. So you don't want to get discouraged by a lack of views. Uh, I've seen some channels where you can see that someone posted like two or three videos. Uh, They recorded them the same day. You can tell because they're all wearing the same clothes. (laughs) And uh, the, uh, the videos have like, you know, 10 views a piece. And then that person never posts again. They probably got discouraged and quit. And I tell people to not care about view count because when you first start out, you're going to be awful. Uh, that, you know, what you want to do is you want to use that time when no one is watching to get better and to perfect your craft and find your voice and figure out what type of style you want to have and find out what you can bring to the table that no one else can bring and and then accentuate that. For some people, they're going to find that quickly. And for other people, it might take months or years. Uh, For the first two months of my channel, I produced a video a week So I had eight videos out there and a total of 25 views. Wow. And a single subscriber, one. Uh, But you know, when that one person subscribed, it felt great because it was like a validation that somebody out there liked what I was doing and wanted to see more. Or or they accidentally clicked on a button by mistake. One of the two. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I'm a strong believer that if you create good content, then people will find your work. You don't have to over-promote yourself. And if you do good work, then you will eventually be rewarded. And so if you keep your head down and produce the highest quality content that you're capable of, if you can do that, then good things are going to happen. I could not agree with that more. Yeah, I think that's that's perfectly said. And you've made some very, very specific, very good content that I want to talk about. I want to dig into some specific videos and I want to find out from you what some of your favorites are. But first, let me talk about our second sponsor for today's episode, and that's our good friends at Harry's. This episode of The Pen Addict is brought to you by Harry's. Did you know that the average person can spend 3,000 hours of their lifetime shaving? Don't waste four months of your life overpaying for poor for performing razors. Get Harry's, a razor that's so sharp you can shave less often and will save you money. Harry's was founded by two guys that were tired of paying for overpriced gimmicks. Vibrating heads, flex balls, handles that look like a prop in a sci-fi movie. These are just some of the tactics that the leading brands have used to overcharge us for years. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. To keep prices low, they cut out the middleman. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making some of the best razor blades in the world for 99 years. Now they can provide great quality at factory direct prices, and they offer a 100% quality guarantee. 
If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. I'm on vacation this week. Somehow I'm talking to you through the internet, but I packed all my Harry's kit to go on this trip. I'm breaking the walls now, David. Mike's going to yell at me, but I don't (laughs) care. It's podcast magic. But I've shaved with all of my stuff that I've brought on vacation this week while we're recording this. It's kind of amazing how that happens, but I can't travel without my hairy stuff. So as a listener of this show, you can get a trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. To redeem your trial set, just go to harrys.com slash penatic. That's harrys.com slash penatic to redeem your offer and help support the show. Our thanks to Harry's for their support of the penatic and Relay FM. All right, hey. so oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say something really quick about Harry's. I'm a subscriber mm-hmm. as well. Nice. And I, I have two, well, we'll call them issues. One is that, okay, I'm used to like my old razors would like crust up after a while, you know, Mm -hmm. after a while, they just look like some crusty thing. And that's how you know when to throw them away. Uh, The Harry's razors, they, they, they look the same if you've been using it for a month as if you used it that they're brand new. So it's like That's you can't no joke. you can't look at it and just tell it's old. So when I'm done with it, I have I can't put it back in the little container. I got to throw it away because if I put it back in, I you know it, it's in essence it's too clean. <laughs> and and then they last forever. I, yeah. I, I, because I'll be shaving. I'm like, okay, it has been weeks since I've changed my razor. Should I just change it because they they do last forever? So that those yeah. are my two endorsements for uh, well, for Harry's. Thanks for doing that. And that's completely right. What you say about the blade. I like have to shove it up like into my eyeballs. Like how long have I used this? And is it like worn out yet? Because normally you could, like you said, you can tell with other blades. So Harry's great job by you. All right. I put down some videos, specific videos that I want to talk about. But before we get into my selections, can you give me one or two or three of the favorite videos you've ever made? How many, first off, how many videos do you have on your channel? Do you know? Uh, a little over 260, like 261, wow. 262. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I post, you know, at a pretty consistent pace. And, mm-hmm. you know, since I started my channel back in 2015, I've really only missed two weekends. Um, I, I can't recall why I missed the one, but the other one was because I was traveling in China and couldn't access YouTube. So I guess that was a valid excuse. Right. Um, but, you know, there's there's another viewer reviewer out there who started after I did who has almost a thousand videos. <laughs> and, you know, unless this is my full time job, I I, yeah. I can't do that. Uh, uh, this has been very rewarding for me. Uh, I en- enjoy providing information, entertainment to the community, and I get a lot out of it. Yeah. So what uh, if you had to pick um, you're you're going to. Um, an interview for the fountain pen uh, YouTubers association and you have to show off your favorite videos to the association. What are you going to pick to uh, submit? Um, I am very proud of my Lamy 2000 review. Oh, nice. And that the reason being is because there are a thousand Lamy 2000 reviews out there. You can find tons of Lamy 2000 reviews. And that through my research, something I was very proud of is I was able to come up with some facts that I had never heard in any review. Uh, and that the mainly uh, it was because the, the gentleman – uh, I, I, Mueller, I can't, I, I believe that was his name who designed, uh, the Lamy 2000. He actually previously, 
actually used to work for Braun, the shaving company, and that his claim to fame was this specific Braun shaver. And if you look at the Braun shaver that he designed, it looks exactly like a Lamy 2000. <laughs> it's, it's the same black with the silver up front. It, it's, it's in essence the same design, but in a pen. And that I had never seen anyone make that connection. And so that was a kind of a proud moment for me because I was able to do a review of a pen that a thousand people have done, but yet come up with information that no one had ever heard of, or at least I hadn't heard of. I'm going to tell, let me tell you something right now. Let me stop you right here. I don't watch a lot of video content. The way you describe your video content makes me want to watch all of it. <laughs> like I, because I've watched you know a handful or dozens of videos, and they're all just fascinating. But then the things you say about doing the ink with the the movie themes and trying to find the story that hasn't been told, you got to watch David's videos, y'all. And I have to do a better job at watching all the videos that he produces because you can hear it. He like really gets it and really is like putting his all into it. And you learn something from it, which I think is the coolest thing. So well, anyway, I, I just had to, <laughs> I had to drop that on you right well, there. <laughs> I mean, everyone, everyone kind of takes in their information differently. There's certain people sure. that, you know, Hey, all I want to do is post to, uh, you know, the fountain pen network and that's all I sure. want to do. And that's perfectly fine. Everyone, you know, consumes in the way they want to consume. Some people love video reviews. Some people like more blogs. And so there, there's enough content out there for everybody. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Um, so I'll have to watch the Lamy 2000 video. I have not watched that. I noticed before I talk about my favorites, I noticed that the two, at least if you go by whatever YouTube's uh, popular metrics is, I guess by view count, your video for the, uh, the fake Mont Blancs and yep. the pins I regret buying are the two most watched videos. Is that, is that accurate based on the numbers that I saw? Yes. Those are the two most watched videos. And yeah. it's interesting that those are the ones we'll, we'll say with negative titles, but yeah, just I think that's telling. Kind of I was going to bring that up. Absolutely. Um, and, and I have a tendency to be very positive mm. uh, and that I, you know, I'm very, I'm a positive person. I like to skew positive. I'm not afraid to tell you my opinion, but there's a way to tell it in a way that doesn't make you feel like I'm yelling at you or <laughs> going on a rant or making it difficult to listen to. So sometimes you have to kind of listen between the lines to uh, say, okay, he is being a little bit more critical here because I have a tendency to do it in a more genial way. Well, I was just gonna. I'll say on the on the regret pins, like you would regret the pin, but then you'd give an example of, hey, something similar, but I don't regret, or something better, yeah. like a better choice. Uh, and that's exactly why, because I, I I didn't want to do a video that was just negative, negative, negative. I hate this mm -hmm. pen. I hate this pen. I hate this pen. So I, it right. took me a while to figure out, okay, how do I make that into something more listenable that isn't me just complaining for uh, saying, <laughs> I hate this. Uh, so that was my alternative was basically I'd say, hey, uh, this pen doesn't work for me, but this is a pen that's similar that really does. And so yep. I was able to kind of kind of justify it and, and in a way skew positive, even though I was going over pens that really didn't necessarily work for me. All right. I am dying to talk about this video. And it is for the Montegrappa Game of Thrones Winter is Here pen. I don't even know where to start because number one, I'm a Game of Thrones fan and I've actually, uh, you know, I've obviously been following, you know, the Montegrappa releases of their pens, you know, since they first started doing them a couple of years ago and reviewed a couple. And with the series coming to a close this year, Montegrappa went all out 
with the edition that you reviewed in this video that's called Winter is Here. Can you just give me your non-video review thoughts of what this pen is? And we'll have these show notes for you. Go over and click this and I'll add a picture in of this pen because it's it's one of the most amazing pens I've ever seen. And that's like not necessarily a positive or a negative. It's It just is, right? It's an outlandish, outrageous, yeah. technical work of art um, that you got your hands on to review. So tell me about that a little well, bit. A quick aside is, do you mm. have any of the uh, the uh, the Game of Thrones uh, MLB bobbleheads? No, I don't. Uh, you should look those up. Okay, I'll uh, look those uh, up. They, they have a bunch of it. You know, they'll have like Akuna sitting on the Iron Throne type of thing. No, and they okay. have they have things like that. But if you look All up right. uh, MLB Game of Thrones bobbleheads, they're pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I'm in. That's one of the things that I, I'm very fortunate about is that, you know, I've built up my channel and built up a lot of fantastic relationships so that I could kind of get my hands on on just about anything out there to uh, to review and uh, from one source or the other. And when there when when a cool pen like that comes out i know okay if it's a i think it was like $7500 or something mm-hmm. like that the, mm-hmm. the the vast majority of us are not buying that pen but that right. doesn't mean that it's still not cool to take a look at and kind of oogle over and and, and go into the detail cuz there's a ton of detail right. on that pen and it's kind of interesting to say all of the work that went into it and okay as a themed pen does this work as a themed pen for Game of Thrones. And it was kind of cool because on one side you had the Night King and then on the other side was a uh, uh, was a White Walker. Uh, and there was just lots of little details in the pen as well that had decent references to the show. And so I, I felt it was a decent rep- representation. Um, they had that and then they had another model called the Iron Throne, which... Um, what was a, a previous one of the uh, one of their previous high end models uh, for uh, the Game of Thrones as well, and on that one the entire cap had uh, swords going all the way around, which were kind of cool as well. Yeah. Um, but I, it, I, uh, I I thought it was well done for what it was, and right. you know if if I didn't care about money, then that <laughs> that thing would look pretty cool sitting on a shelf. But uh, that 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 it was uh, it. it it was a li- it was somewhat well balanced and so that i felt like you could use this pen it wasn't something that was just so unreasonable and unwieldy that it couldn't be used and uh, i thought it looked pretty cool yeah that actually it reminds me of the montegrappa chaos pen which we've relentlessly mocked on the yeah. show but i actually had the opportunity to try one out uh, when we were in new york last year and i got a newfound appreciation for that pen i was like i get it now look it may not be for me but i understand and i understand why it's for the people who who bought that pen and it's actually it was actually kind of enjoyable and like if you have the right situation and the right yeah. pocketbook. And, you know, maybe that's a cool pen for you. If you own enough Ed Hardy shirts, <laughs> right. then, then it might be worthwhile. And that was, right. you know what, for the longest time, I wanted to review that pen just mm-hmm. because th- there's not a lot of like serious reviews out there on that pen. Right. Uh, and so again, is it something that a lot of people are going to go out there and buy? No. 
but is um, but is it fun to at least play with and take a look at? And we've yeah. mocked it endlessly, mainly because mm-hmm. of the video and just some of the marketing behind it. Right. But then it was fun to sit down and actually say, okay, but is it really a good pen? And for right. you know, it's one of those things. It either matches your personality or it doesn't. But if it does match, it's done very well and it looks very nice. And the and the uh, the the lost cast waxing that they have is a, an amazing technique, and uh, uh, it is gaudy and it is <laughs> opulent. But uh, but it's a decent pen. Yeah, and um, back on the Thrones video, I also enjoyed it because, like you were saying, all the extra content that you you put in there. You're obviously a Thrones fan. You sound like a book reader. I'm guessing. Uh, I've I've done both. I've read the books and okay. watched the shows. Uh, I think I actually started the shows first, which actually kind of okay. made it made it helpful. To where I, I started the show and then maybe after like a season, then I said, okay, I got to go out and get these books. And yeah. uh, basically it just helped me uh, put uh, faces to names, I think. That was kind of the best thing that it did. So then I kind of had a better picture in my mind who some of these people were. Yeah, and I thought you did a, a good job. We won't do any spoilers here, but you made some predictions for the final season. And hey, not a bad record, I felt. Well, yeah, that was part of the fun is, okay, yeah. you got to do a, a do a review on this pen, but then also take you know a couple of minutes and actually talk about the show. And mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, one of the things I like to do is just, okay, what, what else can I talk about that's interesting that's not going to deter too much from this mm-hmm. and make people want to turn it off? But if you're watching a Game of Thrones uh, a review about a Game of Thrones pen, you're probably a fan of the show and don't mind a little uh, content about the show. Yeah, yep. So I'm going to take a 180 from that pen and we're going to talk about one of the most simple looking pens that i find completely fascinating but i want to use it as a jumping off point to something else it's the pilot custom arushi it's the big honkin pilot arushi pen like number 30 size nib it's a big expensive piece of like fountain pen art but it's basically your, your black and gold pen but the reason I bring this up is because that's a pen that I've eyeballed and, and looked at. And you let me try it at a pen show before, um, maybe multiple times, because that's one I always gravitate to. And I want to use that pen not just to talk about that particular video, but your pen show videos. So what is your thought process behind... You've made several pen show videos now. Do you know just in that category alone? I, I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot there, but it's, <laughs> maybe, it's several. Yeah, maybe five or six or something okay. like that. And Yeah. Uh, so what's that like and what's the feedback been like on those pen show videos? Because I get to see you at the pen shows when we travel and I get to try some of your cool pens like your Pilot Customer Rushi, but then you come back and, and do video recaps of some of the shows. Yeah, and at first, when I first started doing them, they were straight video recaps. Um, and that it was just kind of, Hey, this is what go, you know, this is what's going on and this is what's happening at this particular show. And this is what I picked up type of thing. And I did a few videos like that. Uh, and then I, I felt I wanted to, to do something a little bit different just because it was uh, just, uh, I mean, after a while, it's just going to be the same content, the same, uh, the, unless there's new things that come out, it's like, okay, this is Brad's table. This is the Anderson's mm. table. This is every other table. And, mm. So uh, what I did uh, recently was rather than do a recap of the Atlanta show, I actually came out with a, a pen show 101, which was mm-hmm. kind of my 
variation on uh, on the pen show video and kind of just saying, okay, if you're going to go to a pen show for the very first time, these are all of my recommendations. Cause those are some of the things I get. Those are the questions I get in those pen show videos is in the comment section is, okay, I'm going, I don't know what to expect. And, oh, I'm, you know, cause I've been there too. I've been nervous when you walk in you, you get overwhelmed and you're not quite sure what to expect. And so I just kind of laid out a number of tips and tricks and, uh, and things like that in that video. And I, I was proud of that video just because I thought it contained a lot of really good information. And especially if you're just starting out in the hobby or never been to a pen show, I thought it would be a good guide for people. Yeah, I think that's excellent. And it's a, certainly a good resource because it's even though like the the time frame changes and the vendors might change, the content is evergreen for, hey, I'm going to my first pen show. Let me watch a video about what I should expect. So I think that's a really, really good. Now you have, I guess, a few outliers on there. And I'll never forget when you reached out to me for this next video, which is called Rubik's Cube Mosaics. And you basically, I should have gone back and pulled up the email. Basically, (laughs) Brad, can I have a knock logo for a project I'm working on? And I'm like, sure, David, (laughs) you may. (laughs) And then boom, Rubik's Cube Mosaics video. You just got to give us some background on this video because this is just one of those things that is mind-boggling on a lot of levels that could probably fill an entire podcast episode. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been doing Rubik's cubes ever since they came out in the, you know, in the early '80s, uh, and I. You know, I, I don't categorize myself as a speed cuber, but I, you know, my best time is like forty-eight point six seconds, which wow. is which is terrible in no, when you're looking not for at. Me. Uh, you know, I, I one of these days I'd like to actually get that under thirty seconds, but I, I would basically have to learn a brand new methodology. Uh, basically, my methodology, I'm doing it as fast as I can. It would it's, imagine like if all of a sudden you say you're riding a bike wrong, you have to go relearn how to ride a bike. In <laughs> yeah. order for me to get under 30 seconds, I would have to relearn how to ride a bike. So I, it's like my brain is afraid to like try it again. So one of these days I might do that because I'd like to get under 30 seconds. But I've always played with cubes. And I, one of the things is I'm always just looking for fun things to do on the channel. What would be a fun project to do? To, to make things interesting. And there was a company that loaned uh, that loaned Rubik's Cubes to schools. And so uh, what they would do is they would have these programs, they would ship the schools these programs, and they would, ha- they would uh, make mosaics with Rubik's Cubes for school programs. And so I, I work with them, and it's free. But you have to pay for shipping of 500 cubes. I think it was 500, <laughs> 600. It was at five or 600 cubes, uh, which is not cheap. I'll just say that shipping 600 cubes is not cheap. No. Uh, and so I, I had to wait until the summer because I didn't want to take away a kit from like an actual school that was using it. Mm-hmm. And when they had availability. And so I had them for like six weeks. And so I decided, I just thought it'd be an interesting video to make mosaics out of these video or out of these cubes. And so I thought, okay, what could be fountain pen related? So I just said, you know what, I'll just make logos of companies. And that, you know, I, 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 I didn't reach out to some of the bigger people like Mont Blanc or, or Pilot mm-hmm. or things like that. But for smaller folks, I actually reached out to because I, I'm very conscientious uh, about copyright issues. And, and that's actually something I profess to people that uh, ask me to look at their videos and things like that. Uh, if you didn't take a picture, don't use it unless right. you got permission 
to use that. I've had people have me look at their videos and I'd be like, okay, did you ask their permission or did you just steal <laughs> that from their site? You know, you can't use that music. You can't, you know, if you didn't create it, don't use it. So uh, I, for smaller companies like yourself, I, you know, I wanted to ask permission because I didn't think it'd be cool just to use your logo without you knowing it. And, mm -hmm. and who knows uh, that, uh, you know, you might have an issue with that. And if you did, then I'd hate, uh, you know, for that to, uh, to, to become an issue if I just assume that it's okay. But I do recall asking you, and then I recall, uh, it was at a, a show. I can't remember which show it was, but I came up with, I came up to, uh, to you and Mike and I had it on my phone and I just, mm. I had a video loaded on my phone. I hadn't produced the video yet, but I had yeah. that, that portion of it. And I just said, okay, this is what I did. <laughs> and, and you guys were just kind of blown away by it. No uh, joke. But yeah, it was a project that took me like six weeks. Uh, I had to build an easel out from scratch because 600 Rubik's cubes uh, weigh a lot. And so I had, it was like this huge easel. I had to go down to Home Depot and buy wood. And I, I'm not a super handy carpenter, but I basically had to figure out how to make an easel on my own that would hold all these cubes. And, uh, at first it kind of was sagging. So I had to reinforce it. And then I would go up there and uh, in the bedroom, I basically took over our master bedroom or a portion of it for, <laughs> you know, um, a, low, a little over a month and I'd go up there each night and, you know, make video and make the video. And each one, each, I, I can't remember if it was like maybe 10, 12, 13 logos or something like that. And each one I tried to shoot a little bit differently. Some are time-lapse, some are stop motion, some are, you know, I, I tried to do them a little bit differently and uh, added some cool music, I thought, from uh, one of my favorite um, uh, uh musicians that uh, named Andrew Applepie, who's a, uh, does a really good job of letting creators use their music. So it's kind of cool, hip music. Uh, and, uh, and I thought it turned out nice uh, yeah. and it was something different and interesting and, and it was fun. So whether or not someone watched it, whether or not it got tons of views, it was fun to create and it was a fun project. So it was a win in my book. Yeah, for sure. Like it, as a viewer, it puts a smile on my face, right? Like we can watch all the reviews and, and, you know, do all these things. And then you get like this little surprise, like in your, in your feed, you go, Oh, what is David up to? Oh, wow. Look at what he did. Like it's, it's a cool surprise. So oh, yeah, and then good. there's a surprise at the end. I didn't mention there's the logo, the locked logo, but then there was something else I didn't ask permission for, for, uh, for you at the end of the video. Oh, I'd have to go back and watch it now. It's been, I haven't watched it since you launched it, uh, um, but I, yeah. it just stuck in my head. So I can't remember now, but I know I watched through the whole thing. Now I got to go back and see. Oh, was it, was it the picture, like the Boston Globe picture? Uh, I can't yeah, remember. It was, it was you and Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I know. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> that is too cool. All right, David, we are knocking it out here. You are I, I could just pick your brain for like another hour at least, but at some point I'm going to have to let you go, but I still have some other things I want to get into. Sure. But before we, before we jump off this video training, get into like some of your personal pins, like I want to hear about like some of the things that you're into. Do you have a pin that you want to review that you haven't been able to access yet? You know, I mentioned it before, but I've been very fortunate to kind of develop relationships with a large number of manufacturers and distributors mm -hmm. and retailers. And so I can kind of have access to a large number of pens that that I wouldn't otherwise purchase. Um, you know, when I started off, would I have ever thought that it was possible for someone to loan me an $8,000 pen? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no way. But they have. Yep. Um, you know, but I'm in a unique position where for the most part, if I want to review a pen, I could figure out someone who will loan it to me. Um, for the longest time, I wanted to review that monograph of chaos. 
mm-hmm. uh, mainly because, like I said, no one out there had done that. Um, and at the DC show last year, I was able to do a review of that. Uh, and that there's a few things out there that I'd like to review. I'd like to get my hands on a Monograppa Samurai again, mm-hmm. just because no one really done a review of the Samurai. Sure. Um, there was the Faber-Castell Pen of the Year uh, for this past year I thought was kind of cool. And the one that has me fascinated lately is the uh, the ST Dupont Seven Cs, which uh, might have one of the coolest displays I've seen. It's like the pen sits in that little teak boat, like a sailboat. <laughs> yeah, and that I just think those would be fun videos to make and to talk about and to show. And you know, these are pens I'd never purchase. Uh, they go for insane amount of money, but it, it's fun to play with them uh, or uh, play with them uh, for a while. That's awesome. Um- have you ever, uh, I'm going totally off topic here because I'm thinking about it. Have you ever reviewed one of these, I'm going to say more outrageous type pens and gone, I really need to add that to the collection. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? You know, I think at that point it comes to how much, like I said, how much do you care about money? Right, <laughs> right. And <laughs> we're, then, we're in a position where we need to care about money for quite a while. Yes. Uh, and that, okay, if it literally made no difference to me and I, you know, I just, it wasn't that much to me, then, oh, would it look cool to have one of those, you know, that the, all the Monograppa you know, Game of Thrones pens just sitting on your <laughs> shelf? Uh, yeah, you know, they'd look kind of cool. But, yeah. um, and, but then at that point, you're, a lot of times I say this when I'm reviewing, uh, uh, we'll say an expensive pen, but at, at that point, you're not buying a pen. You're right. buying a piece of art. You're buying a collection, uh, basically a, a possession. Uh, something to cherish over a period of time. You're not just buying something to write with because inevitably someone's going to say, oh, I could write with the Lamy for the same price, you know, or for a lot less. Right. Uh, and that at, at that point, it, they don't quite get it. And that um, you, you're buying you're buying a piece of art and the craftsmanship and other things other than a writing instrument. Well, this question from Rich, I took a couple of listener questions will lead us uh, in the perfect segue from that topic into the next. He asks, since you obtained your grail pen, the Mont Blanc Hitchcock Psycho pen, do you have a new grail pen? So tell us about the Mont Blanc um, that Rich is referring to. And is there something now that you're looking for that will replace that? You know, I've mentioned it before and I'm a big Hitchcock fan and I talked about Hitchcock earlier and that I, the, not a lot of the the Mont Blanc writers series and the great character series really speak to me that much. I think that some of them are cool, but there just wasn't one that I just had to have. And that uh, since I am such a big Hitchcock buff, I, I really wanted the Hitchcock, but it was out of production. Um, I knew how much it cost, which was way more than I was ever going to spend on a pen. Uh, and you know, they, they weren't that easy to obtain. And so I had, kind of, I wasn't necessarily looking for one. I had always said that was kind of my grail pin. And I even said that in a couple of videos before I, you know, for, for a while, if someone would ask me, that's what I would say. Uh, and I, I just happened to luck into one. Hmm. I, I had a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, uh, basically get me in touch with a, an overseas, uh, distributor for Mont Blanc, who's a legitimate dealer. It isn't like some Mm -hmm. guy selling out of the back of his truck or something like that. Um, But a legitimate dealer from another country that was selling them at a price that basically when they told me the price, I was like, if I'm ever going to buy one, it is this because I am never going to find one for a better price. And while it was by far the most expensive pen I've bought, it was like, okay, if I'm ever going to do it, then this is now that I'm never going to do it at the real price. And, uh, 
and I haven't regretted it because it's, it's a beautiful pen. I love it. And, and it means a lot to me, not only just because of the pen itself, but just what it symbolizes. Is there a pen that's taken its place as the, the next grail pen or is that, is that the pinnacle? And it's like hard to compare like to that. You know, I don't have anything yet. I mean, mm-hmm. I, uh, I'd like to get, I'd like to get eventually get my hands on an emperor that's mm-hmm. that's something I'd like to eventually get, but I'm not necessarily obsessed over it or, or have um, you know eBay alerts set up. Right. Uh, though I will say I I posted this on the Slack the other day. I I was like, okay, I don't know why I left that eBay alert on for the Visconti Blue Ripple that I always <laughs> wanted, uh-huh. and I don't know why uh, I contacted the seller and uh, asked him if he'd sell it for a lesser price than he posted. And I don't know why he said yes. Uh, and so I wasn't expecting today to buy myself an expensive mm. pen, but I guess mm. I have it showing up to me now. And yep. that's the danger thing is that oh. the dangerous thing is when you kind of eye them for a long time, uh, then eventually, you know, they have a way of finding themselves into the collection. So I have a Visconti blue ripple with the, uh, original gold nibs, uh, actually showing up tomorrow. So, uh, but nice. I'm not, I don't necessarily have anything that I'm um, uh, that I would consider my Grail pen right now, but eventually I'll, I will. It just has to it has to kind of come about naturally. Yeah. So when you're using your personal pens out of your personal collection, what ink and paper are you using the most? What are your some of your favorite inks, and what paper do you like to write on? Uh, on a daily use, uh, I use uh, Rhodia A4 pads. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as I at work, that's what I, I use. Um, I, I kind of write my daily to-do lists and my notes at work. I take a different pen to me every day uh, at work. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, you'll see I basically every morning I take a picture of my first thing in the morning. I, I log into my computer. I sit down and I take a picture of the pen that I brought to work and post nice. it. And so it's for me, it's just creating content. Again, it's like, okay, if you want to be a content creator, what's something simple I could do? Okay, well, I could take a picture of the pen I take to work every day with me, and it's at least something. You're creating something. And so, yeah, every day, if you want to see how I rotate through my collection, then I uh, I post a picture of my pen every day. But I, I usually mix up the inks, and I mix mix up the, the pens and kind of rotate through the whole collection. But I use those uh, Rhodia A4 pads. Uh, and then as far as like a notebook goes, I recently... Uh, filled up a hippo noto i completed it nice. uh, usually that's what i would carry around with me every single day uh and i would write my reviews in that and i really like that notebook and what i've really started using now is a, a notebook by a woman in spain who goes by the moniker of gats bcn who sells the most amazing handmade notebooks uh, i've reviewed a couple of them and i've started carrying one around with me every single day um and it's one of those things where, you know, you almost don't want to ruin it just because <laughs> it's so cool. But then I told myself, you know what? Uh, notebooks want to be used. That's what makes notebooks happy. It's not going to make them happy just to sit on the shelf. And so I decided, you know, I am going to use this notebook. It's like, you know, 500 pages or something like that, maybe like 450. And it is going to get beat up. Not that I'm rough on these things, but just literally going in and out of my bag and putting it into my out of my bag a thousand times over the lifetime, it's going to get a lot of wear and tear. But I've decided, you know what? I'm going to use it because if it's just if I put it on the shelf, then I'm never going to come up with the right time to use it. So I've been using that. It has some uh, some interesting paper that I really wasn't familiar with. Uh, it's a 90 gram uh, Fedrigoni Fedrigoni. Hmm. 
paper. Yeah, that's a new one. Um, mm-hmm. Which is really nice. Um, but uh, in regard to inks, I have lots of favorites. I like to mix it up a bit. I, I would have to say my all-time favorite ink is Orochizuku Konpeki. Mm. That's my uh, yeah. that that's my favorite. Um, but but I have lots of favorites. Uh, something that actually someone just sent me, and I haven't even opened. Well, I haven't even opened the ink yet. But if you check out my Instagram, that there was uh, three oysters sent me. Um, a box of ink that is the most amazing box. And I'll do my best to describe it, but uh, we'll put a link in the notes to go check it out on the Instagram. But basically I open up this box and it's almost like a pop-up book. And all of a sudden there's some flying fish and this uh, lady of the sea with tears. And I I had to email them to find out the story of what is this? Because you can't find it anywhere to purchase online. And I guess it was a Kickstarter that didn't go anywhere uh, and had a very few backers. But um, the fact that they sent it to me makes me feel like eventually it's going to become available somewhere. Uh, And there is a a bottle of blue ink, but then also some additives so that you can mix it. And that, you know, the more additive you add, then it changes the color of the blue and kind of makes it different shades. So I'm uh, one, it's just the coolest ink box I've ever seen before. And two, then it's just kind of an interesting idea. So once I actually find out more information that I'll definitely do a review and kind of let folks know, because it's one of those things, as soon as you see it, you're going to be, okay, where can I buy this? And right now you can't. Yeah. I, I was that I was, you, you had to show me that video and I saw it. I was like, okay, I'm going to need this. <laughs> it's like, I, it's, it's pretty wild and it, it's, it's really just like a pop-up book. So we'll put that link in, in the show notes for everyone to check out because you really should. I haven't, I haven't seen anything like that from any of our ink manufacturers and they're doing some pretty wild stuff recently, but uh, this is a, this is a really, really good one. Yes. All right. I'm going to get you out of here on a very big question. Um, because it's a very cool thing that you did. And this question comes in from Evan says, how did you come to interview Neil deGrasse Tyson for your channel? Are there any other fountain pen using celebrities or just other celebrities that you hope to interview in the future? So tell us about how, uh, your interview, uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson came about because he's a, a well-known fountain pen user and you got to spend some time and talk about his collection. Yeah, uh, that I think it boils down to, like I mentioned many times, is I just like to do things that are fun for my channel. And I thought, how fun would it be to go talk to Neil deGrasse Tyson? And, uh, you know, and how fun would that be for the community? Because if someone else's channel did that, then I'd watch that. And so I, I, I reached out and it's sometimes it can be difficult to, to get a hold of, uh, of these folks. And so I had to uh, figure out the best way to reach him or reach someone who could reach him. Uh, and uh, I ended up actually working through his publisher because he was producing a new book. So it was kind of good timing because he was just about to start doing a lot of press for his new book that was coming out. And so he was kind of in press mode per se. And then also I think it probably interested him because it wasn't just like a normal interview where he talked about his book and his work and things like that. It was actually, okay, you get to talk about one of your passionate hobbies. And it it was almost like no one had ever asked him about his hobbies before. And so it was, um, a a lot of fun to do. I actually got to, um, go up to his office, uh, go up to the, uh, the uh, Hayden Planetarium there in New York. And, and we actually did the interview in his office and he was, very kind and very generous with his time. And he, uh, even to the point where after, well, I will say after it was, uh, after a while, he, he was going on and on and on. We were having a great conversation. 
And it got to the point where I was trying to respect his time because he mm -hmm. had a limited amount of time. And uh, his assistant came to the window uh, and it was kind of behind uh, Neil's back and he couldn't see her, but I saw her and she kind of had that look like he needs to be somewhere. <laughs> and so I, I, if you watch the video near the end, I kind of, I try to wrap it up. I kind of say, oh, why don't you just show me one more type of thing? And he pulls out a pen and says, oh, okay, let me show you one more. And then he talks about that one and he goes, oh, let me show you one more. Oh, let me show you one more. <laughs> and so in my mind, I was kind of like, okay, buddy, this is on you. I, I tried. So uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. Even to the point where we were done with the interview, I had to take pictures of his pen. So he actually ran off to a meeting and left me in his office with his pens. Oh, nice. and, and so then I got to like basically take a bunch of pictures of him and then just leave him on his desk. Uh, and it was, you know, obviously, you know, probably twenty thousand dollars in in various very <laughs> exotic pens, uh, and so it, it was just a lot of fun. And that um, there, there's other folks out there that I would like to sit down with. Uh, I will say that I um, I felt I was very very close to speaking with someone very soon, and that uh, just had a little bit of a kink to it, which mm. was kind of. Uh, painful, but I haven't <laughs> given up hope yet. Uh, and that uh, there, there's a number of folks that I'd like to talk to. Um, I've reached out to a number of folks. I have some very nice, uh, polite declines from some very famous people. Uh, because obviously, it's okay, it's a YouTube channel and it's not for <laughs> everybody. But um, I, there are a few folks out there that I am actively working towards. I don't want to jinx it, but just uh, mm. know that I am working towards other things that uh, I think the, the community would enjoy. Because as I said, if somebody else did it, I'd watch it in a heartbeat because I think it would be fascinating to hear what these folks have to say. So I'm going to see if I can do it. Well, it's been fascinating talking to you on this episode. I've learned a lot. I really appreciate you sharing all of this. And like I said, I could do like an entire other show. So we'll have to get you back on and talk about more specifics and more fun stuff that you've done, um, you know, around pens and inks and pen shows and interviews and all that stuff. So thank you so much. And before I let you go, I need you to plug all your stuff. People need to know where they can find your videos, where they can support your content. So why don't you give us all the links and we'll have all these in the show notes for everyone to check out. Uh, on YouTube, you could find me. Uh, just search for Figboot or Figboot on Pens. You could find me on YouTube. Uh, on Instagram, I am Figboot11, just the number 11. Uh, also on Patreon, uh, I do have a Patreon account. Just search for Figboot on Pens. Uh, that's something that has uh, I've been pleasantly uh, surprised with, and I really appreciate the support that people have provided me with there. Uh, basically, all the support I received through Patreon, I, I put that money directly back into the channel uh, to to support the channel. Like I just bought a new camera this week, just because my camera I had was ten years old, and they've improved video technology over the last ten years. So uh, I, that uh, it's been a big part of uh, uh, of helping out there. Uh, but that's where you can find me. Awesome. And you can find me on the internet at penaddict.com. That's where all my links are. I'm on Twitter at Dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M, Instagram at penaddict, and all of my pen case stuff at knock.co. So that's this week's episode. Um, Big Boot, you're awesome, and I appreciate it, and I hope to see you soon. So before I let you go, I got to get you to say goodbye, David. Goodbye, David.